This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere every Monday at 4pm on your community radio 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa, and I will be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. And a warning that this episode of Doing Time will contain audio and graphic descriptions of Aboriginal deaths in custody. This special broadcast is dedicated to TJ Hickey. 20 years on, there's still no justice. First up on the show, we will bring you an extended interview with Brett Collins from Justice Action, who will be speaking about an inquiry into mental health, New South Wales, 2023. He will also speak about youth detention and computers in cells. The Doing Time show will then bring you a second extended interview with Cheryl from ISJA, Indigenous Social Justice Association. She will talk about a speak out, remembering TJ Hickey, 20 years and still no justice, which will take place at the Victorian, at the State Library of Victoria on the 17th of February at noon. February 14th, 2024, is the 20th anniversary of the death in custody of Thomas T.J. Hickey. More about that later. New South Wales Parliamentary Committee Portfolio Committee No. 2, Health, has decided to conduct an inquiry into mental health in New South Wales. This follows the findings of the Royal Commission into Victoria's mental health system, as well as multiple expressions of dissatisfaction from consumers of current mental health practices within New South Wales. There has been public exposure of vulnerable members of our society being mistreated, disrespected and even killed following state intervention. Justice Action has written a submission to the inquiry and I'm actually reading from, from various documents from Justice Action. And we're just going to go to an announcement and then we will cross over to Brett. Yeah, 
Creating space for women and gender diverse people to thrive, the Queen Victoria Women's Centre is now taking applications for their inaugural Feminist Historian in Residence. Over 12 months, revisit their historical records to uncover fresh stories and perspectives. The centre encourages proposals that challenge their history from an intersectional viewpoint and grapple with the complexities of colonisation. To apply, head to qvwc.org.au, closing Friday, February 16th. Queen Victoria Women's Centre is a 3CR supporter. And in case you've just tuned in, this is the Do and Time show, 3CR Community Radio, and it's approximately 4.01. I'd like to welcome Brett Collins from Justice Action to the program. Hello, how are you going? Yes, good afternoon, Marissa. Good to be here with you again. You too, you too. I hope you had a good summer. Yes, absolutely. I, I, we've kept pumping through. We have really... You have to keep going, isn't it? Community. Inside so... the um, uh, place of attention didn't get the break at all. We always feel actually a bit guilty uh, that we're taking time off, but you know, we're back on board again and away we go. Absolutely. I mean, look, it's 24 hours anyway. I mean, we never really go off duty, do we, Brett, really, when you look at it? No, I guess not. But I mean, look, we needed a break. I mean, personally, I needed to get out and uh, out in the bush for a while and just feel a bit of uh, wood in the body and um, and uh, leaves and things around to strip off the clothes. And, ah, what a relief! <laughs> so, uh, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, now, Brett, now. Yes. can you talk about the mental health inquiry, which follows the findings of the Royal Commission into Victoria's mental health system? Look, absolutely. Look, we've um, we've been um, very much engaged in the mental health area for uh, for decades now. It isn't normally our, our natural space, to be honest. I mean, we've been uh, best known, I guess, uh, for following up as uh, sort of the convicts, you know, convicts uh, calling in on the uh, basis of the penal colony. So that's our history. And the psychiatric area, in fact, is a whole um, different space. But um, different in some ways and, um, and also the same. In some ways, a lot worse, actually. Uh, the fact that they now uh, would rather uh, define someone as being mad and um, and then medicate them into submission rather than bad and just lock them up uh, is actually uh, is a bit of a horror, actually, a bit of a horror. It's, um, it means that they're no longer giving um, us, our community, the respect of actually even disagreeing with them. Uh, they just say, if we disagree with them, if we have a different attitude, uh, if, if they don't understand us, they don't understand what drives us, then they'll define us as being mentally ill, and then and then forcibly medicate us. So that's really um, that's really the basis for it. Um, we're concerned um, because they they're dealing with our kids this way as well. And we've had a, a series of of conversations with um, about um, what's happening with our with our kids, and um, we have figures like. 20%. We had this from a, um, a, the chief executive officer of New Justice uh, here in New South Wales. He said that 90% of kids in New Justice are mentally ill. And we had a psychiatrist, a child psychiatrist, said 95% are, are mentally ill. So, gee, <laughs> I wish I could uh, define people who disagree with me and don't um, comply with the rules of being mentally ill and just uh, medicate them. That would be very way out, a very easy way out of parenting and all the other things that we have to deal with um, people who disagree with you. Exactly. I mean, so the health industry wants to have the power of forced medication as an easy way to contract and control so-called difficult people. 
Well, that's right. Look, that's it's been statistically seen. I know the, um, there've been uh, over the last few decades, there's been a closing down of psychiatric institutions. The same people are um, either left out in the streets without any accommodation at all, um, or put in the prisons. And then while they're in prison, um, held in collective services, so held um, in really uh, you know uh, horrible um, circumstances, without without the health support, the psychological support, peer support, and things like those in place. So they, they just medicate people and leave them in the cells. And that's just uh, really uh, against all pr- health principles. And um, and uh, and uh, we're we're fighting it as hard as we can. We have an inquiry um, at the moment. We've been invited to present to the inquiry in ten days' time. So we're very much um, engaged at the moment. I'm doing a series of quite careful uh, analysis in behind. Uh, uh, well, even just looking at at the medication itself and whether medication actually really helps. No, it doesn't really help. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're going to be giving evidence. Justice Action is going to be giving evidence. When, That's when right. is that? Yeah. Yes, that's right. Look, we've been invited to give evidence besides um, Legal Aid New South Wales. So uh, Legal Aid New South Wales and Justice Action have got three quarters of an hour to, to, um, to give evidence um, to the parliamentary committee about things that need to change. And um, fundamental to us is that uh, we need, first of all, to have lawyers prepared to do the battle. So what we've found in the past is that in the past for, for decades now that um, that people who are coming before the tribunals, a mental tribunal, mental health tribunal, those those people don't get even access to the documents that are accuse them of being mentally ill or accuse them of doing some things. They don't see the documents. They're supposed to see them ten days beforehand and to have a chance to respond to them, have their lawyer dealing with the property and defend it. And that's not happening. So well, there are a whole series of things there where um, what we're saying is either Legal Aid New South Wales has to raise its game and do the fight, or else there should be an alternative panel of, of, of lawyers from whom the person can choose who's paid for by Legal Aid, and that, that will raise the game. It'll mean, it'll mean that um, the battles will happen and people will be able to, uh, uh, to test the evidence, look at what's being said, and respond properly. Absolutely. And in fact, in the submission and report, Justice Action has also outlined a proposal to withdraw misleading communiques. And the paper puts forward the recommendation that the New South Wales Chief Psychiatrist communique of 2014 is withdrawn. Can you comment on that? Look, look, absolutely. Look, we we couldn't believe um, the uh, the uh, basis upon which advice is given by the chief psychiatrist to all clinicians in New South Wales, and it's a very misleading communique, which um, which was uh, came down in response to a, a particular uh, uh, inquest. Um, and it was uh, properly, improperly presented as incorrect. It's not legally um, uh, accurate. It doesn't represent what the courts have been said at all. And it's given people the impression that um, to forcibly medicate someone, in fact, is, uh, can be applied even if you're you know, spending money in the wrong way, if you're, uh, if you, if you're um, not money, if you're, um, if you're even uh, disagreeing with your parents, if you're actually uh, causing them... Some, some concern, that is enough, according to the chief um, psychiatrist communique, um, for, uh, for medication to be administered to you over your protests. So there are a lot of things there which are just totally incorrect. And then we've done a very careful examination of whether medication itself actually it does succeed in improving outcomes. And we have a, a longitudinal study, 20-year study, that says that people who haven't got, who aren't on medication are six times more likely to recover than people who are. 
So a whole Absolutely. lot of Absolutely. Yeah, so you know, peer mentoring is a much better answer. Where people who've um, who've had some experience in the same situation can can give you assistance, can you know, be trusted to be your friend and and um, lead you along the way, and um, a chance to have other people around you. That's a much better solution to um, changing people's behaviour and making them much more comfortable. I think what I find really fantastic with Justice Action is that. You've identified that community treatment orders infringe on an individual's autonomy, freedom and self-determination. And it's quite a restrictive form of compulsory treatment, isn't it, that can potentially be seen as a form of detention. Can you talk about that? Oh, look, absolutely. Look, a community treatment order really means that they've got um, an entitlement to actually uh, to demand you turn up for interviews and then and then compel you to be medicated once a month, to be receive an injection once a month, which makes which first of all it feels very degrading to be to be um, forced to um, to lower your pants and to be uh, to be injected with a substance which makes you feel sick. And um, and people people find that they have all these side effects, things like, for example, um, high blood pressure, uh, uh, um, diabetes, um, a whole series of things, and including weight gain, enormous weight gain, a whole range of things. It just mean mm. mean that you really can't do the things you normally do do, and um, and uh, it just affects your life. So to have that imposed on you is like it's, it's like like having a poison, like to have a poison, and exactly, then to have the exactly right. health, yeah, the health department do it to you. Well, that's totally um, the opposite of what the health department should be doing. So it's a big battle, and I think in Victoria um, there was a you people did a very fine uh, uh, job of work uh, before the Royal Commission down in Victoria. We want to make sure that we have something similar. Um, and have um, have a benefit which gives extra power and extra freedom to people who who need a hand, who are you know struggling a bit socially and 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 themselves personally, and to have other people be beside them, trained to help people who have had experience themselves. They're the ones to help. And you know, Brett, the I'm just having a look here at the crisis intervention proposal, intervention proposal. Sorry. Yes. And we can't forget the police. I mean, the current crisis intervention practices in New South Wales fail to treat those going through mental health crisis with the compassion and respect they deserve. And, of course, we do have police, don't we, that are not only ill-trained, but also um, uh, our first responders, aren't they? Well, that's right. Yeah, so, look, I mean, in New South Wales, they changed the name of um, the police from police service to police force. And that says everything. That's really intended to intimidate and if you're really concerned, if somebody is concerned and they feel, um, you know, a sense of paranoia and worry about other people threatening them and, and things like that, if you have a, an armed um, man uh, walking in with several behind him and having a, carrying a gun, um, uh, you know, who wouldn't feel threatened? And, and uh, as, as happened only very recently, uh, um, someone turning up because um, because um, they um, the, the the person hadn't for the police turning up while um, uh, to to um, force a community treatment order, which is, you know, you didn't turn up to the health department, and then because the person felt so threatened, the person reached for a sword, right, which was in their home, and the gun and the police killed him. Boom, 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 boom. Got four shots and killed him in his own exactly. home. Yeah, all they were doing was actually they were they were um, trying to compel the person to receive um, his medication as he had been. He didn't want it. He just didn't want it. And um, that's no excuse at all for police to come in and kill the man. It was outrageous, and that's how it happened. Has happened continuously. It is an absolutely disgusting practice, and there, you yep. know, the justice action has effectively looked at other definitions, other ways to to look at those things. 
Now, let's move on now to the New South Wales Minister for Youth Justice, who is going to be providing computer tablets to youth detainees. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Look, it's a, it's a bit of a breakthrough, actually. Like, we, we had always assumed that um, the kids were getting the same services that, that adults were getting as well. And so we, when we had the battle here in New South Wales and succeeded in getting um, every person uh, to have a, a, computer, a computer in their cell, a computer tablet or, or a laptop in their cell, we assumed that it would flow straight through to the kids as well. And it hasn't. And it hasn't, and it hasn't actually, we've discovered it hasn't happened anywhere at all in Australia. It's like all the kids, and we're talking now about about 1,000 a thousand, a thousand, um, people between the age of 12 and 18, about 1,000 nationally, and, um, and those people have been, have been locked in their cells 16 hours, 17, 18 hours a day, sometimes longer, uh, without any access to any communications, and no access to, access to counselling, no access to education, left in their cells until they open their cell, their cell the next morning, normally at 8 o'clock, 8.30 in the morning, get them out of their cells, get them up to muster, get them to have a food, and, uh, and then they all speak to each other and run around and then locked in their cells again. There's no alternative, no opportunity for them to um, them to quietly by themselves in their in their cell in their cell um, to talk with their their family, talk with their um, a, a trusted elder. In fact, most times, um, uh, in fact, in, in New South Wales, 61% of of kids in youth detention are Aboriginal kids. 61%. So, um, so we have a massive um, a group of, um, uh, of uh, Aboriginal um, kids um, who are being separated, locked in cells, and who are being separate, separated from the community. And that's no one at all. That's uh, the uh, almost almost 100% um, return, then return, go back to, to afterwards, back after going to youth justice, then go on to jail. So this is a, like a, a, not a surprising trend at all where people are isolated from their community for all the good things they should be getting. Absolutely, Brett, and it's it's interesting because, you know, just to summarise that, what you're basically saying then is that, um, you know, people can have external counsellors who are not going to be engaged by management and pose that conflict of interest and, and distrust. Yes, absolutely. I mean, how could you how could you leave a kid? You know, we're talking about twelve years, fourteen years old. How could you possibly leave a, a kid like that in a, in a cell without any access to you know, even to the friends, let alone their mum? And how is it they could prevent a mother from ringing in and talking to the talking to the child in their cell? Like we were shocked when we discovered uh, how much money is being spent in locking each kid up. I mean, the in in Victoria, in Victoria, we looked at this carefully. In Victoria. $1.6 million is spent every year on every child. Every child. Ha, ha, ha. And, and um, in New South Wales, the statistics are something like two-thirds return to jail within two years. So not only do they spend a massive amount of money, it's massively fa- massive failure. And, um, and, and then in the midst of that, not even to give them access to, uh, access to information, to having positive counselling, access to, uh, to education, access to their mates, Access to music, access to you know, uh, well, counselling, psychological counselling. Not even to have access to those things exactly. when they're quietly by themselves. Yeah, such a bad thing. Such an obvious thing to do. And um, so far as the say, we um, we got agreement in, in New South Wales. The other states have yet to follow. Well, Australia needs to needs to really get with the program and start being more parallel with overseas research. Now, Brett, we are going to have to finish very soon because um, this show is actually dedicated to TJ Hickey, 20 years yes. old and still no justice. 
And we're going to be speaking with Cheryl from Istra soon about the speak-out that we're having in Melbourne um, at the State Library on the 17th of February. But before we finish, are there any concluding comments that you'd like to make? Well, look, I, look, I guess the most important thing is that it should be an expectation of people inside Victorian business who are, who are listening now. They should be asking now, you know, where, where is our computer? We were told that Victorian prisoners would have access to computers in their cells this year. So we'd be very surprised if, if not um, within the next few months that they would be rolling out. And um, it's such an obvious way of delivering services and making sure that uh, they, we don't have this enormous failure where people just isolated from the community and from the, all the good things. So, so that's something we can look forward to. And, um, and uh, likewise, of course, the kids. You know, the kids should, um, in fact, the kids should be first, to be honest, but let the adults come in. It's about, about time they get something good. Absolutely. Brent, it's so lovely to have you back. I mean, you've been coming onto this show for many years now and keep up the struggle, keep up the good work. Lovely. Thanks for the opportunity, Marissa. Much appreciated to you guys. We'll talk soon. Thanks a lot. All the best. Okay. Bye bye. No more whispering in our gonna rise up to break these chains and stop these killing games. Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne invites you to join us on Saturday the 17th of February at midday at the State Library, Swanson Street, Melbourne, to mark the 20th anniversary of the death in custody of Redfern teenager TJ Hickey. Honour the memory of TJ and the many deaths in custody families that now number more than 555 since the 1991 Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. No one to date has been held responsible for these deaths. We demand end the practice of police investigating police and immediate implementation of all 339 recommendations of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. Come along Saturday 17th of February, midday, at the State Library. Ischia Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. And you're back with the Doing Time Show, 3CR Community Radio. It's approximately 4.18. And I wanted to welcome Cheryl to, from Ischia to the Doing Time Show. Hello, Cheryl. Welcome. Hi, Marisa. Thank you. It is lovely to have you. Now, would you mind just speaking up just a tiny bit more? Oh, sorry. Is that better? That's much better. Hang on. What if I take it off speaker? Hang on. That yeah, would be talking. awesome. Hang on. I'll try. You want to hear your lovely voice? See how that's loud and clear. But I can't hear you. <laughs> but anyway. You can't hear me? Barely. Anyway, I'll try and listen. Uh, put, yeah. put it back on then if you can't hear me. No, 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 because if it's coming through echoey, I better just try my best. All right. Okay. So, Cheryl, we're back. You're yep. back on the show. I think you came on last year sometime to speak about TJ. I believe you did. We did an interview this time last year. Yeah, probably about a year ago. Yep. But there is time something different so quickly, here. Can we Sorry? can you talk can you talk about can you talk about the news release and tell listeners about the the upcoming speak out for TJ Hickey? Sure. Yep, well, our media release went out last week. Um, yes. You know, we sort of usually do one every year. Um, and we're intending to hold a speak-out at the State Library in um, Swanson Street, just opposite Melbourne Central Station. 
um, people would know it. So that's at midday on the 17th, Saturday the 17th of February, a couple of days after the Sydney action. That was planned that way in case some of us headed off to Sydney, which, as it's turned out, I don't think we will be. But, um, yeah, and we're, we're, you know, we're holding that rally in support, well, of families. We're not only calling for, you know, 20 years, still no justice for TJ and to mark his, well, 20 years on and still no justice. So it's remembering TJ, but it's also standing with all First Nations deaths in custody families. Um, Yeah, because we know for every one we hear about, there are probably 20 or 30 other cases we don't even ever hear about. The family just don't, you know, either don't want to get it out or, you know, they're sort of too under the pump to be able to get it out. So this is our chance. And, you know, at the rally, we'll be demanding that, you know, there's a justice for TJ and all who've died in police and prison custody. And we want to see an end to the practice of police investigating police. Um, And then in place of that, to establish mechanism with real powers to control the police through making them accountable to the community. And we want an immediate implementation of all 339 recommendations of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody, which it was they were only handed down oh just over three days, three and a half decades ago, say. Hmm. So you know, I would say they've had time. So, oh, they've had ample you know, time. Just, I mean, it's we, outrageous. It really yeah, it's outrageous. outrageous. Yep. And in fact, um, didn't John Pat's death in custody spark the Royal Commission? It did. Yes, I believe it did. And then there were others, you know, like Eddie Murray and, you know, a few of those other families that have been fighting long and hard, you know, since John Pat's. You know, John Pat was only, I think, 15 when he was um, killed by those five off-duty police officers who, yeah, never never spent a day, you know, behind bars. You know, meanwhile, we've got, what, 30% of the jail population, I think, is now First Nations people across the country. So it's pretty tragic. Very tragic. It is. So let's let's talk about a little bit of background then, Cheryl. So February the 14th, 2004 is the 20th anniversary, isn't it? Well, 2024 is, yeah, yeah, of the 2004. Yeah, it is, it is. And that, that, um, you know, that incident, that time when it happened in Redford, Waterloo, um, it, it must have been just absolutely horrific for the community. I just don't know how they got through it. And, um, you know, the the government was all too happy. You know, Bob Carr, Labor Premier at the time, New South Wales Labor Premier at the time, and all his lackeys, they were only too happy to hurry through the inquest. You know, there was apparently, this is what we've read in um, media since that time, that then Premier Bob Carr instructed the state coroner, John Abernethy, to bring the inquest on quickly, bury it, while Gail Hickey, that's TJ's mum, was pressured into accepting a government-appointed legal team that did absolutely nothing to find out the truth at that inquest. And the brief of evidence from the investigating police then allowed the state coroner to exclude both important witnesses and serious evidence as not being relevant to the inquiry. And, I mean, the list, I mean... It's gobsmacking. I mean, anyone that reads the things that were, you know, weren't looked at, you know, the actual cause of death wasn't explored. 
the first aid implications weren't pursued. Bioengineering aspects of the mechanism of injury not fully pursued. Bystander witness evidence, as I just said before, weren't fully pursued. Why wasn't all witness evidence heard? Why was the arrival of a police rescue van at the accident scene not investigated? Because I believe Hollingsworth ripped TJ off the fence prior to the appropriate people coming along, contrary to, you know, well-known first aid protocol. Um, the forensic scene, examination scene wasn't completed. And in, in fact, the evidence obtainable from the fence and pathway wasn't obtained and the area was steam cleaned with undue haste. Within days, all five police vehicles involved in that event had been steam cleaned, repairs made, and they'd been repainted, thereby destroying any possible vital evidence. Is that not... I would say that's, um, you know, isn't that interfering with... I mean, if that was Have you or me it? doing that, yep. I reckon we'd be up shit creek, Absolutely. So he was 17 years old. TJ was 17 years old. Yep. And he was chased yep. by two police paddy wagons through Redfern when yep. he was thrown from his push bike and yep. impaled on a fence. Yep. TJ's mother, Gail. Off that bike. Yep. Yeah. What was and that? it was no, you know, we keep hearing it's, it's accidental and it was mistaken no. identity. They thought they were looking for a bag snatcher and they thought TJ. Well, TJ didn't resemble in the slightest the build of the supposed um, bag snatcher that was later found out. But, of course, that was all pushed to one side. You know, any any excuse will do. We chased him. He'd been bashed, apparently, a couple of weeks prior by a Redfern yes. police officer. So this wasn't an incident. He was petrified. He was staying with his aunt. I think I might have told you before. Staying with his aunt, Bowie Hickey, the late... Virginia oh, Hickey. the beautiful Annie Bowie. I miss her. Yeah, yeah, I can still see her too. Yeah. I can hear her voice. And she, she she said he was too scared to come out. He was a smoker, you know, at 17, but he was a smoker, so was she. And she'd be sitting on her little front porch in Douglas Street in Waterloo having a, a fag, and TJ, she'd say to him, do you want a cigarette? He was inside the house. Well, he'd say yes, but then he'd say, you've got to pass it to me. He wouldn't come out even onto that front porch. You know, he was so, so scared. He told her, they're going to kill me. You know, well, he was right. Really awful. Bowie's spoken of it, you know, publicly, and she's on record, you know, from some of the rallies, you know, that's why he was killed, and it's because he wouldn't distribute their, their um, drugs around the block. You know, it suits them to keep a black community disempowered, under the thumb, you know, chasing each other, you know, or chasing drugs or whatever, you know, that's how they, that's how they get away with it. Horrible. Well, that's exactly right. And, and I think with Istra, I'm just having a look here at the news release and Alison Thorne, mm-hmm. Mr. Melb, says yes. that, that TJ's death highlights that there are inadequate mechanisms to hold police to acca- yes, accountable. Yes. And we demand an end to the practice of police investigating police, as you said, Cheryl, what's yeah. needed is the establishment of independent bodies with real yeah. powers to control the police and for these bodies to be directly accountable to the community, says Alison. Yep. Yep. And, and I mean, we, you know, for instance, you know, those four police in those two vans that you said, Redford 16 and Redford 17, apparently um, it became common knowledge or public knowledge that they sat and did their statements together post the incident. Now, 
and under the supervision of a superior. Um, there was all kinds of things, you know. The um, there was one of the police Aboriginal community liaison officers who I believe offered to, and I've heard this. I'd say firsthand that he offered or requested permission to go down to the block where the community had gathered to, um, calm, you know, in, a, in an attempt to calm them down, you know, after what had happened to TJ. Oh. And he possibly could have to, you know, just um, comforted them and not come in with all guns blazing. But no, they refused him permission because they wanted this. They wanted a reaction from the community of course. because that deflects on, you know, from them, from their actions, you know, what they've done, that they've killed this child. It's so, a disgrace, an absolute yeah. disgrace. And Gail, the family and their supporters are fighting hard, aren't oh, they, for a permanent yeah. memorial to TJ that reflects yeah. what actually happened. And I remember yeah. when I interviewed Ray Jackson, when I was in Sydney during the trial of... Um, of the, oh, the other, the other, the other um, trial family. where the young girl, one, yes. of, one of the relatives, yep, yep, the teacher was arrested. The yep. All these people the were arrested twenty first. Yep, and the and I remember interviewing Ray Jackson, and he gave us a very good quote. He said that TJ's TJ's death will never be seen as an accident. That will never happen. No, and he's since no. passed away now. His anniversary is coming up. Soon, isn't it, Cheryl, in April? Yeah, it is. It is, I think. Yeah, yeah. I did look that up. Golly, it was back in 2015, I think. I couldn't believe it. Oh, I'm still grieving. I know, I know. He'll be, you know, he's been sadly missed across the, you know, the whole activist scene, I think. He was sort of, yeah, he had a reach out, that's for sure. But it, but he'd, I think he'd be happy that, you know, that's, well, you know, in the face of the injustice, that people are continuing. I mean, they tried everything. The family, with um, the help of, um, Tamar Hopkins and yes. and another bar- a barrister, Emrys Nekvarpal, took it took the case to the United Nations back in 2010 on the sixth anniversary of TJ's death in custody. But surprise, surprise, Australia wormed their way out of that. I mean, really. And oh, one thing I forgot to say was TJ's bike wasn't even presented at the coronial inquest. The damaged bike. But, of course, it couldn't be presented because it had been taken out of the Redford Police Station. It was seen to be taken out by another ACLO, Aboriginal Community Liaison Officer, and it was going to have its wheel changed. Apparently there was old footage that Uncle Ray had at one stage from, I think it was Channel 7, showing the bike as it was with the damaged you know, but see, you know, you know, Cheryl, that's that's a, a really a good example that you just mentioned about the bicycle. And just to develop that further, even yep. going back to that to the trial of of, of the hickeys, the, yep. the hickeys have been harassed, haven't they? Ever oh, since, definitely. Yeah, ever definitely. since they talked about fighting hard for that permanent memorial for, for TJ. Yes. And yep. then you say in the news release, don't you, Cheryl, that. The family was gifted a memorial plaque for display at the site where yep. TJ was impaled during the police yes. pursuit. But authorities yep. won't let the plaque go up unless the wording is changed to remove from, all reference yeah. to the police. From police, what sort of, from police what sort of rubbish is that? Like it was a result of a police pursuit. Well, they shouldn't have pursued him. Easy, simple. Don't do Correct. it. And then what do we do? We're, at the moment, I believe, I mean, I think the inquest is over. I think they're just waiting on the findings, but into another boy who had a similar um, 
a little different, but a similar experience, and lost his life as a death in custody, Jay Wright, in um, Waterloo or in that Waterloo area, only a little bit away from where it happened to TJ. Just a couple of years ago that happened. So I believe there's um, an inquiry just completed, just wound up, I think, into his Which death. one was that, Cheryl? Sorry? Jay Wright, J-A-I. I, don't oh, know, yes, I think yes. you might say Jay Wright. But, okay. Um, yeah, there was something on NITV News just recently about that one. So it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't end. No, it doesn't it does end. Not end. It? I think there's been over 500 deaths in Five, custody yeah. now. We said 550, I think, over 550. 550 yeah. But now I think it's over 558. Oh, my God. Or it's at least 558, which is over 550. But, you know, it's just going up. There. Yeah, you just hate to, you know, hate to use people as numbers, which is, that's awful. But at the same time... Look, look this really is an excellent news release. Can you just tell listeners about where to find that release, please? The release? Yeah, it's on the ISTA website, is that right? Yeah, it'll be on the ISTA website, but it's also on the ISTA Facebook page. Perfect. And and, and also, I might as well add to, at our um, speak out, I couldn't find the word then, <laughs> um, at our speak out on the 17th, we'll be taking along our tribute placards. We've got a number, I think there's about 18 now, of um, tribute placards to just a few of the people who've died in custody, the other oh, people who've died in custody, over the years. You know, they go back as John Pat, Eddie Murray, Eric Whittaker. Um, we've got Mark Mason, Arnie Tanya Day. We've got Veronica Nelson. Uh, not Veronica Nelson. We haven't got one for her. We've got Ms. Do. Um, you know, if families really want one, I mean, they can certainly come and see us and we should be able to support them in getting one made up. But at the wow. moment, we take those along to our big rallies or any any rallies. Ours are small, usually. So um, take them along and, and people want to help holding them. Well, that's brilliant because there's not always 18 of us is just folks. Exactly. So families are there or people that know, you know, knew a person that we've got a placard for, they're more than welcome to come and just hang on to it and remember that person, you know, in whatever way they wish to. They might want to speak even. You know, there'll probably be an open mic at the conclusion, I'd imagine. At the, moment we've got, at the moment, we've got Kieran speaking, Kieran Ashton-Clark. Oh, good. Ashton-Clark? Yes, isn't Yes, I think he's been on the show. Yep, yep. Kieran's speaking on... Um, he's from the Black People's Union. And also, who is it? Someone from Valve. Um, Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. Good, okay. And we're hoping for a few more speakers, but whoever speaks will, you know, speak with a passion, I'm sure, about, you know, what involvement or what effect, because there's hardly an Aboriginal person, I don't think, in this country who hasn't been affected either, you know, in their own family or extended family by a death in custody. It's just, it's tragic. Indeed. tragic. So Istra Melb formed in the lead-up to the first anniversary of um, sorry. Yeah. It, how, yeah. How did this Jamel form? What happened? Yeah, well, um, Uncle Ray Jackson, I think at the bequest of, um, or at the request of Arnie Gail Hickey, um, put a call out for um, people to become involved and have a National Day of Action. So he got in touch, I think, with Alison Thorne, from, who, who is with his now. And they knew each other from way back, the activist circle. And 
when we, um, I suppose, we went and spoke to community members down here, they said, yeah, sure, go ahead, do that. You know, we wanted to get their thoughts and their permission, I guess, to hold this rally. And But don't just do that and walk away. That They were, oh, they were so strong in that, you know, expressing that to us because, unfortunately, they said it just goes on and on. They could see it. And at that stage, I wasn't across at all. I certainly wasn't. I've had a rude awakening since becoming involved in his just. Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. so important. You know, scared, well, no month goes by without there's at least one death in custody. Now, that's, you know, we hear about road counts and all that, you know, when there's road accidents. Where's this? You know, make that a headline. You know, give us an update every week or something on those hor- horrible numbers. They are really horrible numbers. And, in fact, this show has a long-standing tradition of doing a lot of interviews about, not just about TJ Hickey, but about all deaths in custody. And in fact, over the years, we have done lots of interviews also with Istra in in Sydney and have actually crossed over live to some of those marches over Mm -hmm. there near the fence there. Yep. Well, I'll be having one on the 14th, on Wednesday the 14th, um, beginning at 10am, I believe. Perfect. And that'll be starting with family members speaking there. And then they'll march to Redfern Police Station, stopping at the police station with more speakers, and then march to the community centre. And what they're saying is they're going to insist on a meeting with the Mayor of Sydney. I'm not sure who that is now, Um, but anyway, whoever she is or he is, to protect the TJ Memorial from developers. So I would presume that means the plaque, because there was an idea being floated that they would also like not only the plaque to be mounted with the correct, you know, the current wording, the appropriate wording, but also to have the um, Redfern Community Centre renamed to to reflect or to remember TJ. And also so families would feel like there's a place, families who've lost loved ones of death in custody, so they had somewhere to gravitate to, I guess, where they could feel comfortable and... um, yeah, a safe environment. Know, a place of solace, I guess. Yes. And I suppose also, can you comment on the landmark report of the Royal Commission? I mean, we've already spoken about this anyway, but found that over-incarceration of First Nations people was oh. the key factor, yep. contributing to the shockingly high rates of Indigenous deaths in custody. And there's, there's also racial profiling too, isn't there? Oh, there's a lot of that. Well, I think... Um the paperwork that Tamar lodged on behalf of Gail, I think that that went to the UN, I'm pretty sure that all came out and they cited um, different research or different um, statistics by, I think it's Chris Kinane, who um, has kept records over the years. And, yeah, racial profiling. And, of course, you know, Lyle Munro has spoken out on that many times. He's an elder... um, and a, a Camilla Roy Elder too, and he's spoke. Well, a lot of people have spoken out about it, I guess. But they, you know, they're ones that just come to mind straight away. And you know, like really, it, it's okay. Just sweep it under the carpet. You know, wait for the next one. And it's awful being reactive all the time. Like recommendation ninety seven alone just says that arrest. Should, you know, police should have been. What did they say? They should be no eighty seven. 
all police services, I just read, wrote this down, all police services should adopt and apply the principle of arrest being the sanction of last resort when dealing with an offender. So That's that was nipping it in the butt. Look, Veronica Nelson, look what happened to her. Yes. Suspected, I think it was, of shoplifting. And mm-hmm. she ends up in a, you know, a cell at um, Dame Phyllis Frost instead of going to a hospital, the appropriate place. I mean, even that, just that one alone. Uh, and Miss Judy was horrific, Cheryl. From that. They should have been in hospitals. In hospitals, right? She... You know, it's astounding how it can happen. It was you know, horrific. We're supposed to be a democratic, you know, caring country. Correct. I mean, because when she was, when Veronica Nelson was in the prison, in, in the prison, the health staff failed her. They ignored her, and uh, yeah. again, another instance of racial profiling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yep. And you know, she was grossly underweight. I mean, I forget what, you know, the sound of her, oh, I forget how many kilos. It was something like 47 kilos or something. Oh, my God. A young girl. She was a young young girl who was so polite, even though she was in so much pain. Yeah. Yep, yep. When they were telling her to be quiet because the other prisoners couldn't, you know, she was disturbing the other prisoners. Really, I'm dying and I'm disturbing them. Sorry. Oh, my God. You know, like all these, you know, Ms. Jew must have been nearly the same. I mean, she was, she must have been in such a lot of pain, you know, when she passed away. South Headland, I think that was. Oh, yeah, you just, you know. I'm just and, getting to the end of the news release here because I'm just having using this as sure. a basis, which yep. is important. And something that hasn't been talked about too much, I think, in the media is mm. about... Alison makes a quote here. TJ was racially profiled when he was wrongly chased by police who were looking for another person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's a bag what I did mention. Yeah, exactly. Seriously. Yeah, it was supposed to be a bag snatcher who was of an entirely different build than TJ. So it was just an excuse. You know, they, you know to say they weren't following him and that he was yeah. beaten the week before. His girlfriend also got knocked from, I don't know if it was the same bike, but police had been knocking on Arnie Bowie's doors. This is sort of in the lead-up, asking the kids, this was after the incident where April was knocked off her bike, Yeah. asking for the children, you know, for April and TJ, to show them the route that they rode to go from her house in Douglas Street down to the block. She told us so many times these stories. I just, they'll oh. never disappear from my mind. I just I often reflect on them and, and you know, like how traumatic it must have been for all of them living under those circumstances where they were scared to go out of their front door, either to get a cigarette or to ride down. He went down that day to um to see his mum down at the block. But they were timing each other in the end, the kids, how long it took them. So they knew something was wrong with T J when he hadn't turned up back um April would have been back with um Annie Bowie, I think. And they would have known something was wrong. It was taking him a long time. He was just going down and back. So, oh, you just, yeah, you know, look, any death's bad, but, you know, it's all incident. And then he was taken to the wrong, the furthest hospital instead of, I heard that the other day. He was taken to the hospital that was the furthest away, not the closest. Oh, and Uncle Ray mentioned that many a time too in different interviews. Oh, oh yeah, Uncle, Uncle Ray interviewed about this many, many times. Yep. Many, many must, times. All so, those things that must have been going through his head, you know, it must have really made him disillusioned with our our so-called, you know, 
yeah, embracing society or what do you call it? You know, multi mm-hmm. not well, it's not multicultural because First Nations people, it's First Nations people's homeland. But That's you know, right. just we're supposed to be so inclusive, I suppose, is what oh. I'm looking for. And it's so far let's from plug that. the speaker, Cheryl. Sorry, let's let's um. I'll just read out the speak-out details, shall I? Yep, yep, sure. So, remembering TJ Hickey, 20 years and still no justice, yep. Melbourne speak-out against First Nations deaths in custody, noon, Saturday the 17th of February, State Library, Victoria, on Swanson Street, organised by the Indigenous Social Justice Association, Melbourne, with the support of TJ's mother, Gail Hickey. Yeah, yeah. So, and is there any other any other final comments you wanted to add? Um, no, I don't think so. But just you know that people become aware. You know, like until it touches. You know, we hope it never touches people. But you know, we always think oh, that was someone else or someone else's child or someone else's brother or whatever. And that's you know that's not really good enough. I think these days, you know, it's up to us that have got the privilege. Well, for me as an ally white person living on stolen land, you know, the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. You know, I feel an obligation, but a passion. Just let's get out there. Let's make sure we're, you know, standing with the families because, you know, it's so it can be so isolating for them. It's just so unfair, the whole, whole deal. It's not only they're going through grief or they're trying to go through their grief, but they have to fight a system that's set on... Delivering injustice, not justice. That's exactly so I right. So everyone get along, you know, to the state library on the seventeenth at midday, and yeah, even if you're only standing there, if you don't want to hold a placard or do anything else like that, that you know, or if you want to speak, please, you know, don't sit back. Come along, join us. Thank you so much for coming onto the program, Cheryl. Been lovely thanks, to have Marissa. You. Thanks for having us, and thanks for all the hard work you do. And three CR does. And oh golly, I don't know where we'd be because none of the so-called mainstream they <laughs> 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 do they don't do coverage. They do little press releases, and that's it. Done that one. Exactly. Exactly. So really appreciate you know getting the opportunity to get these stories out. Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl, and I'll see you at the speak out. Yep. Speak, see you then. Thanks, Marissa. Thanks. Thanks, 3CR. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. No more whispering in our arms. Gonna rise up to break these chains and stop these killing games. Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne invites you to join us on Saturday the 17th of February at midday at the State Library, Swanson Street, Melbourne, to mark the 20th anniversary of the death in custody of Redfern teenager TJ Hickey. Honour the memory of TJ and the many deaths in custody families that now number more than 555 since the 1991 Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. No one to date has been held responsible for these deaths. We demand end the practice of police investigating police and immediate implementation of all 339 recommendations of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. Come along Saturday 17th of February, midday at the State Library. Ischia Melbourne is a 3CR supporter.
The law is part of our everyday lives, including when we buy something, use a service, have a job, or rent a house. The law can be used to help protect and support families when there is violence in the home or disputes over parenting arrangements. Sometimes we might need to understand the law to navigate specific government systems like Centrelink, getting a residency visa, or if we come into contact with the police. Community legal centres provide free, quality legal advice and assistance to help people with everyday legal problems. We focus on working with people who are experiencing disadvantage, such as financial hardship, family violence, homelessness and discrimination. Community legal centres are independent, non-government organisations and can be found across Victoria and Australia. If you're experiencing a legal problem, your local community legal centre may be able to help. To find a community legal centre near you, visit the Federation of Community Legal Centres Victoria at www.fclc.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Stand in solidarity with Palestine this Sunday. With the most devastating attack ever launched on the people of Gaza, it's time for all of us to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Israel has waged war on the Palestinians for the last 75 years. The Nakba, ethnic cleansing, occupation of the West Bank, East Jerusalem and Gaza. Israel has now imposed a total blockade on Gaza and declared war, stopping food, electricity and fuel and launching an all-out attack. We have to mobilise to show our support for Palestine. 12pm, State Library, this Sunday. Rally to demand freedom and justice for Palestine. No war on Gaza. Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. CCR is Radical Radio. Through our on-air content and community structure, we promote real change for workers' rights, gender equality, environmental action, disability justice, and on racism and First Nations sovereignty. Do you want to be part of real radical change? We need you to subscribe. It's just $40 concession, $80 waged, $150 for a band or organisation, and $300 solidarity. Call 03-9419-8377. That's 9419-8377. Or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. show. This is the Doing Times show 3CR and I wanted to thank Brett Collins for coming onto the show and also Cheryl from Istra and Brett Collins talked about quite a number of things in regards to mental health and Cheryl has discussed a speak out which will be happening on the 17th of February, No Justice for TJ Hickey and turn up at 12 noon at the State Library. And the Speaker would be demanding that all 339 recommendations of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody be implemented in full. And that is a good note to end on. And stay tuned every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Doing Time Show. Stay strong. Bye.
Fella, as long as you are real fella. 